Aloha. You are listening to Mark's Gospel of the Servant Savior, a message series from Shorebreak Church. If you have been blessed by this series, please join us in the mission of making disciples by partnering with us in prayer or by giving financially. Partner with us by visiting shorebreakchurch.com. Mahalo. If you would turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Aloha. How you guys doing? Hey, it's good to be with you. Uh, my name's Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and um, we are so thankful to have you joining us on this day. If you are a solid Christian, you have a thriving relationship with Jesus, maybe you're struggling in your relationship with God or you're a new believer, or, or maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're here because you, you are exploring, you're on a journey, you are searching for answers, regardless of where we're at. Thank you so much for being with us today. We, we are genuinely humbled to have you with us. Really glad to be spending our time together with you. That's why we had you turn to Mark chapter 7. The reason why is, is it's not about what I think or what I have to say, nor is it ultimately about what you think or what you want to hear. It's about what God has declared and spoken in the scriptures. And so that's why we had you turn to Mark chapter 7. Um, for those of you who weren't here last night, by the way, we had an amazing, amazing first annual shore break chili cook-off. Wasn't that amazing for those of you who were here last night? Um, I want to give a special shout out. First, it was awesome. We had an incredible turnout. The chili was phenomenal. I think we had 12 contestants and one ultimately won, and it was an amazing time. Um, I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Nathan and to Roy and all the volunteers who made it happen last night. Would you guys put your hands together? It wasn't our idea. It was theirs, and, and, and from the volunteers and their idea, this first annual event took place the first of many. It was really special. Also, I want to shout out to J.J. Jenkins. A few of you know what I'm talking about, inside joke. All right. Um, it was awesome. If for some reason you hear some sounds this morning that are unusual, or you smell some odors that are somewhat unfamiliar, and may be because the person sitting next to you was there last night, all right? Um, there's a reason why there's a distance between us right now. We'll just say I had plenty of chili last night for my own comfort. We will not go any further. Amen? Oh, yeah, see? <laughs> oh, man. Um, one more way of announcement before we get into uh, our time in the Word. We've made changes to our online giving platform one year ago. We adopted PushPay, and many of you adopted PushPay as an online resource to give through credit card uh, or debit card online or through your mobile devices. And to that, we say thank you. In fact, I don't know that we say this enough, but I just want to pause and say thank you to every single one of you who support the gospel going out here in Kona through Shorebreak Church and, of course, beyond Kona as well. Um, your, your tithes, your offerings, your generosity to Jesus Church enables us to do ministry. Your gifts enable the gospel to go out, enable lives to be changed. Your gifts um, enable us to, be, to give in benevolence to those in need, to single moms, to special needs, to special outreaches that, 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 that extend and beyond impact the kingdom more than we realize. 
Um, in addition to that, 5% of your generosity goes right back into church planting. We believe Jesus' mission to um, continue to spread the gospel is to plant churches. We are a church plant, and, and we uh, are part of a church planting network known as Sojourn uh, Network. And so part of being part of the network means that, that 5% of everything we give goes right back into, right now, supporting more churches being planted. And so big mahalos. Just thank you so much for supporting the work of the gospel going out. If you give online through PushPay, we are moving towards a more secure and easier way to give online and through your mobile devices, through your phones. And so um, if in the past you've given um, and you've, you, you've, through giving, you've given us your email, we're going to, you're going to receive in your inbox instructions on how to give through our new online giving platform. You can continue, though, as always, to give through check, through cash, through credit card, and through debit card. Um, however, the, the, the security, uh, for security reasons, the iPad giving kiosk in the back we will be removing at the end of the month. But as always, you can visit shorebreakchurch.com, which is an amazing website, side note. But you can visit shorebreakchurch.com slash give. You can give, your, um, you can give your donations there, or you can give on your phone even without an app, by texting the amount you want to give to 84321. 84321. And so the reason we're making this big change is because many of you have adopted PushPay. We're moving to this, this new way of system of giving, this new safer, more secure online system. And um, in order that we don't have a financial meltdown at the church because everyone's still giving the old way when that way is now obsolete, um, this new way is going to be better. It's going to be easier. And so why the changes? Why the changes? We want first your information to be more secure, all right? We want to protect the intellectual data that, that you've given to us. And so by do, moving to this new system, it's going to be more secure. Hence, WikiLeaks, the election cycle, you can see that personal data, emails, all that stuff, are, we're not going to get into that, right? But it's good to, to have some security, some safety. Um, Secondly, we want giving towards gospel advancement to be as easy as possible. We are commanded to give out of sacrifice and joy for the advancement of the gospel. We give of our first fruits, and it should be a joyful act. The giving process should be joyful as well. And so this new system, this new platform we're going to be using is going to be more easy and enjoyable. And then three, we want to invite everyone in the joy of sharing financially and the blessings that God has given to us. Maybe you haven't give uh, you haven't given of your finances to the advancement of the gospel. This is a great opportunity um, to, to grow in the area of gospel transformation where not only do you engage the church emotionally, um, physically, uh, by proximity, by being with the people of God, um, spiritually, uh, being connected as one as a church, but also financially. That's what God would have for us. Jesus said, not me, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. May we treasure Jesus. May we treasure the gospel and may we treasure the church. Jesus loves so much, he gave his life for and died for.
So just wanted to let, that know, let you know about that. That's the end of my announcement. It's a pretty big deal because we are moving to a new platform. However, if you're like, all right, where's the second offering? Where's the third offering? Do I need to guard my wallet now? No, we're good. That's not how we roll here. You guys know that if you've been here for a while, but we just wanted to update you on this new info. So hopefully you're in Mark now. If you're not in Mark, I love you, but there's, there's no hope for you. But um, glad to have you here. If you would stand for the reading of God's word, Mark chapter 7. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. This is the word of the Lord. And he called them, and he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared, All foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the scriptures. We thank you for this story that you've given to us. We ask that you would help us hear you, all of us. And in hearing you, we would grow and rich new understanding. Father God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to see truths that we would otherwise not see? God, we decrease in the moment so that you would increase. We seek to make much of you. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Do you guys know someone who's OCD when it comes to cleanliness? Just, it has to be clean. Like, like they get stressed out, they get nervous if something's not clean. I have a friend, I'm not kidding, who is so OCD when it comes to cleanliness that we can be talking story, hanging out, having dinner. It could be a party and he will have a broom and a dustpan in hand and follow people around sweeping up during the party. He's so stressed out that he just, that's what he does and it's pretty annoying, but it's how he chooses to live. Many Jewish religious people had obsessive compulsion when it came to be ceremonially clean. Everywhere, all the time, they had to be clean. And if they were not clean, it would cause anxiety. They would be stressed out. They would get worried. They would, they would be sick. They would be frustrated with angst. They had, a per, they had an obsession for self-made perfection. Cleanliness was really their God. 
We know last week Jesus from Matthew chapter 7, Mark chapter 7 rather, Jesus rebukes them for they had become obsessive compulsive when it come to washing, came to washing their hands. And they washed their hands all the time. And they, what they would do is they'd wash their hands and they'd go into synagogue and they'd raise their hands and they'd praise God. But while they're raising their hands, which are clean, inwardly they were still filthy. And Jesus said, your worship is in vain. You give me lip service, but your heart is far from me. But as angry as Jesus was, and that, that was a heavy rebuke. I mean, it was like thug life rebuke. Like just drop this truth, thug status, just, I mean, seriously, he called them out on their sin. And in calling them out of their sin, you think, well, for sure he's angry. But in his anger, he did not push away them, but he seeks to draw them in closer and closer like we see that that as angry as he was we learned in the story of the loaves and the fish remember out in the wilderness the story of the five loaves and then the, the fish the loaves and the fish jesus had compassion and, and he and and as he looks at them the loaves and the fish and he looks at these people he sees these people as sheep without a shepherd he looks at these people who don't have a leader and he has compassion on them and jesus being the good shepherd that he is is going to call them he's not going to push them away but he's going to draw them in look at verse 14 and he called the people to him again it's an act of his grace and in calling them again he said to them hear me all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. I want to draw your attention to the statement of what Jesus is saying here at the beginning of verse 14. Jesus says, Hear me, all of you, and understand. The good shepherd is calling his sheep to hear his voice. And he says, hear me, everyone. And in hearing me, I want you don't just to hear me, but in hearing me, I want you to gain new understanding. I'm going to declare something. And as you hear what I am declaring, you should grow in knowledge of this understanding. See, if last week Jesus was calling those who lean towards intellectualism and truth, if they're more heavy on truth, Jesus last week was calling those people who, who have more of a bent toward truth to, to worship God in spirit. Because remember Jesus declared to the woman at the well that those who are to worship the Father, they are to worship him in both spirit and in truth. And so because they had a heavy bent towards truth, they were being called, hey, worship in spirit. Worship Jesus with your heart through the spirit of God empowering you. May your heart be near to God. If that was last week, then today Jesus is calling those who are lopsided on the other side. Jesus is calling those who are having more spiritual heartfelt side of worship to come to the truth. Notice that's what he's saying to them. Hear and understand. In your worship of Jesus, engage your 
mind. Think about what is happening. Don't check your brain at the door when you are going to worship me and glorify me. Engage your mind. Think, hear me, and understand in your worship of me. And so to those who do have a bent towards being more focused on spirit than truth, those who are emotionally driven and passionate, it's naive to think that God is glorified with our unguided, passionate worship. For Jesus would say to you, hear me and understand. See, there are religious ways of worshiping Jesus or, or not worshiping Jesus, but there are religious ways of just worshiping in general that call people to not understand, but to lose understanding. To not engage your mind, but to lose your mind. In fact, most of these religions are religions of Eastern mysticism. Hinduism is, is, is a very prominent religion that's made its way into Western culture. And Hinduism calls people to... It's forms of Hinduism, forms of worship that call people to empty their minds. One of them specifically is yoga. And before you chuck something at me right now, some of you, like, oh, right, oh, seriously? You're, t- you're, going, you're going here. You're touching my yoga? Maybe. I am not against, nor do I believe is the Bible against, us being good stewards with our, Bible, with our body. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We should attempt to eat healthy, right? Stretching is scientifically proven to be a beneficial thing for your body. Deep, heavy breathing can lower blood pressure and relieve stress. Relaxation is a good thing for us. However, the type of yoga that that has its roots in, in Hinduism that tells people to clear out or empty their minds is a form of worship that contradicts the scriptures. See, unlike the religious, the religions of Eastern mysticism, which call people to empty their minds, to clear their minds in worship, Jesus is calling us to fill our minds in understanding, that we would hear and that in hearing we would understand that in our worship of God, our minds would not be empty, but they would be full and that when we worship God, it's not about like Eastern mysticism, losing ourselves to find ourselves in the universe. It's about understanding who God is and in understanding who he is, we would worship the king of the universe. That is what God is calling us to. Hear me, all of you, Jesus says, and in your hearing, hey, understand, understand. We are to have our minds renewed and our minds full of the word of God, not to have our minds emptied. Verse, okay, understand then. What, what, What should we understand? Well, verse 15, Jesus describes what we should understand. He says, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house, he left the people, and his disciples asked him a parable, and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? You see, it's all about understanding. It's all about gaining knowledge, understanding 
truth. And he looks at his disciples. I just explained this. Do you not get it either? You don't understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods to be clean. And God's people said, amen, right? Kalua pork, baby. For the glory of God. He declared all foods to be clean. Jesus wants us to understand where uncleanliness or defilement come from and where defilement and uncleanliness do not come from. Our uncleanliness, our defilement does not come from what we put into our stomachs. The reference Jesus is talking about here comes out of Leviticus on what foods were kosher to eat and what foods were not kosher to eat. So that affected the type of meats you would have eaten. How did the animal die? How clean are you? And not only are we talking about food, but did you encounter a leper? Did you touch a Gentile? Did you go out in the marketplace? Uh, Even things about bodily fluids are talked about there. There are a thousand external things that according to Levitical law that could make you unclean. Jesus here, being a fulfillment of the law, is declaring uncleanliness does not come from what you eat because food does not affect the condition of your heart. And so Jesus, jokingly, if you don't think Jesus had a sense of humor, let's look at verse 19 again. Someone said, I took it too far earlier. I would say Jesus maybe took it too far here, except he's God, so he didn't take it too far because he's perfect. But verse 19 since it enters, it what? Food, not his heart. So a man eats, it goes into her heart, his mouth, goes down into his stomach. It doesn't hit his heart, but it hits his stomach and is expelled. You don't have to know the original Hebrew to know what that means, right? <laughs> Something about Porcelain Express. <laughs> It's why at our wedding, my wife and I, we had a conversation and trying to set up our, our budget at the wedding. We didn't want to spend like $1,000 or more on a wedding cake. We had a ton of people at our wedding, and so it was already going to cost a lot. And some people were like, yeah, but you need to get the cream filled. Why would I do that? First off, no one's going to remember our cake anyways from our wedding. And why would I spend thousands of dollars on something that they are just going to expel? flushing money down the toilet and so we got a cheaper cake and i did not take it too far because that's how far jesus took it all right so (laughs) to think that what you put in your mouth is going to defile you is a joke that's so external come on but the religious people thought that way and what jesus is implying here is you can Get everything polished and clean on the outside, but still be an inward mess. We can give the appearance of godliness. We can sing songs. We can raise our hands. We can give the appearance and the impression to people that we get it, that we have it all together, and yet we've never been more internally screwed up. Why? Why is that true? Verse 20. 
What comes out of a person is what defiles him. That's why. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. What is happening here? Sin is not an outside force that makes us evil. Sin is not an outside force that causes us to be or do evil. Sin is an inward disease that oozes out of our life when the pressures of life come on our life. See, sometimes we think, well, this person, this job, my boss, they made me act this way. The devil made me do it. You can fill in the blank. They can influence you, make no mistake, but they are to blame. Now, there's another conversation we're going to have on spiritual warfare, which is very much a reality. We don't have time to get there. However, maybe those things were a catalyst that made sin a reality, but they are not fully to blame. When I was on the mainland um, a couple weeks ago, I was able to connect with a really good friend that I had not seen in like six years. M- my best friend. And, and, um, and we have a long history of good, bad, and ugly with each other. I mean, we have done some really mean, evil things to one another by way of pranking. We just prank. And, and if I told you the things that we did, I would lose my job. So I can't tell you because they're that bad. If you, if you just think people, um, you know, the office, Dwight, you know, and, and Jim, that, that we were like that on steroids, I promise you. It was really nasty. And so we, we connected, and I hadn't seen him in years, and after our tears were shed, and we, we, we started talking, it was like, but five or ten minutes in, did we begin to go back to our ways in junior high? So I looked at him, and I told him, you have a way of bringing the most evil things out of me. Because that's what friends say to friends, right? (laughs) But how absurd is that? Yeah, it's, it's, when I get around you, it's your fault. No, no, no. It's just when I happen to be with this person, he has a way of bringing up the residual things that are, that have laid dormant for six years plus in my life. Immorality isn't a mere pressure of external worldliness. The seed of every sin lies dormant in the heart of man. The seed of every sin lies dormant in the heart of man. Well, then why haven't, why hasn't man, even, even evil men committed all the worst possible sins because it is the common grace of God that is holding humanity back from the worst of evil. Man does some, still, still does some evil things, but had God let man fully do and indulge in all and water all the seeds of sin that lie in our heart, this would be a far more wicked place than it already is. 
See, it's circumstances that bring to surface things that defile us that have been there all along. Jesus here, he gives no room to blame external things for our internal problems. Yes, evil happens. Yes, evil sins have been committed against us, but we are sinners as well. The problem is not outside of us, but inside of us. Isn't that what Jesus is saying in verse 20? For what comes out of a person is what defiles him. It's what's inside that comes out is what makes us dirty. So we need to understand this. The biblical anthropology of man is that sin defiles us from the inside out, not from the outside in. The reason I'm defiled is not because of my spouse. It's just my wife, you know, she just says this way. I mean, I, I have nothing else. It's my kids, it's my friends, it's my boss. Listen, they can influence you, but it's our problem. It's our problem. In fact, did you know that Satan is not your worst enemy? Did you know that the world is not your worst enemy? You know who is our worst enemy? We are our worst enemy. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We are not evil because we were born with a blank slate and somewhere along the lines, we did something that was evil and then that actually made us evil. We are evil because we are by nature evil. We sin because we are by nature's, by nature sinners. It's, it's Ephesians 2. See, the Pharisees coming back to, to Mark Chapter 7, the Pharisees thought, and even our culture thinks today, right? You do. You are what you do. And so people say, you are what you do. But the biblical principle here that the scriptures are communicating is, no, 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 no. You do what you are. It's not you are what you do. It's you do what you are. And we are defiled. And so we do things that are grotesque, disgusting, and evil. And it was repulsive. If this is repulsive to you, that means you're beginning to understand what Jesus is communicating here. Hear me, all of you, and understand. In fact, in Matthew chapter 15, the story records that the Pharisees walked away because they were offended at what Jesus had said. Our heart is so sick, we are so defiled from within, Jesus explicitly elaborates on the condition of our hearts. In verse 21, for from within, out of the heart of man come, here it is, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. 
They all come from where? Within. Huh. So have you ever done one of these things? Have you ever gossiped? (laughs) Have you ever been prideful? Have you ever thought an evil thought? Have you, have you done any of those things in the last 24 hours? <laughs> ever been sexually busy? Ever been sensual? Ever been stupid? Ever been envious? Ever been hateful? Has it not been your experience that you know these things defile you? It only takes one of those things for us to be defiled. And I've done all of them. In fact, the Apostle John in 1 John 3.20 says, he acknowledges our hearts condemn us. Because we understand how evil we are, how defiled we are, No religious band-aid can cure the cancer of sin within our soul. To try to wash our hands, to try to make it better on our end is just putting band-aid on cancer. And on this, Jesus says, hear me, all of you, all of you, hear me, Gentile, religious, young, old, Male, female, single, married, unclean, deceived. Hear Jesus and understand your own depravity. Understand you are a sinner because you are by nature sinful. Understand what defiles you and understand what doesn't defile you. It's in our nature to be evil. It's in our nature to sin. It's in our nature to worship ourselves instead of God. And if we were left completely on our own to choose sin or to choose God because of our evil hearts, we would every single time choose sin over God a thousand times over. But if our heart is so deceitful and evil, and by the way, when when the Bible speaks of the heart, it's not just talking about Obviously, your heart, but but the place of desire, the place of worship, the place of affection, your inner being. If our heart is so deceitful and evil, what hope is there for us then? A new heart. A heart transplant. That's what Jesus was talking about. In John chapter 3, see, even though our problem is internal, our only hope is external. Our only hope is vertical. For Jesus says in John chapter 3, speaking to Nicodemus of how you were to enter the kingdom of heaven, he says what? You must be born again. In fact, a, a, a better understanding of what it means to be born again in the original language actually means to be born from above. It's not a birth that happens inside of you. It's an external birth that happens to you. 
to be born again. And when we are born again, we are given a new heart where a heart of stone is replaced and we are given a heart of flesh. And we are born again, we are given a heart that is tender to the gospel. When we are born again, we have a heart that is regenerate from our old sinful nature. And when we get a new heart, we are given a new nature. And no longer do we worship sin or ourselves, but with our new heart, we worship God. Even for the Christian, hear me, Christian, on this. To have the calluses of your heart removed, to come to the gospel, to return to our first love, is what we need as well. A lot of times we check our brain at the door in this part and say, well, it's so great. He's talking to be born again for the, for the non-believers. What about returning to our first love in our new birth? From this story in Mark 7, we learn you cannot clean yourself and come to God. So stop cleaning yourself. Stop it. This is for me too. We need to stop trying to attempt to clean ourselves so we can approach God. We need to come to Jesus with our defilement, with our mess. See the list of sins here? You bring those to Jesus. You take those to Jesus. You come to Jesus with those things and he will clean you. I want to close by reading 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to the, his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus resurrect our calloused hearts, our wayward hearts, or maybe even our unregenerate hearts. Let's pray. Father God, <laughs> you were so merciful, slow to anger. May you resurrect the mess that is our lives. As Christians, may we return to you with our first love. May we worship you in spirit and may we worship you in truth. And that in our worship of you, we have an intellectual understanding of why we should worship you. Because you are a God who is worthy to be praised. Because you have done a great work for us that we can never do for ourselves. And for that, we thank you and we praise you. We praise your name, God. And if there is a soul that is in here with, heart, with a heart that is becoming tenderized by this good news of the gospel, may we lean and believe on your name. Do this work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please visit shorebreakchurch.com to stay connected or to share your story.